0: Hey moms, was your dinner last night the leftover chicken nuggets from your kids' try? Is your current idea of self-care closing the door when you pee? If the only chance you have for exercise is the squats you do when you pick up your kids' Legos, well then take a seat, mama. You're in the right place. I'm Corinne. And I'm Jess. And this is Mama Mama Bites. Bites. Hi, moms. It's Corinne coming to you. Thanks for uh, tuning in for this episode of the Mama Bites podcast. This is going to be the first episode that we are dropping in the new postpartum series. Now, you certainly don't need to be a postpartum mom to be listening, um, but this actual part of the Mama Bites series is a little carve-out where I am researching my book, uh, Self-Care. In your postpartum year for new moms. And um, actually, since I'm writing the book solo, I am also doing the interviews solo. Um, I miss Jess too. I'm sure you're going to miss um, listening to her. But since I'm on my own for the book, I'm on my own for the interviews too. So it's me and our guest today, Sarah J. Swafford. Uh, She wrote the most wonderful book, uh, a, a quick read and super helpful for any mom who is struggling with or could just use some support with postpartum sex. It's also got a fabulous title. It's called From Ouch to Ah, The New Mom's Guide to Sex After Baby. Uh, And I really hope that you have a lot of fun listening. I had an awesome time talking to her. And we laugh and we talk really authentically about uh, the things that happen to our bodies and our relationships and our relationships to our bodies after having a baby. And so, again, I don't think you need to be... um, a new mom to really appreciate this podcast. It was a lot of fun to talk with her and I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being on the Mama Bites podcast and helping me with my book on um, self-care for the postpartum year. So I definitely want to first, um, in you know, introduce you to our listeners so can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you were inspired to write one of the best name books certainly for the postpartum year which is from ouch to awe the new mom's guide to sex after baby so anywhere you you want to start
1: for having me oh sorry what (laughs) anywhere
0: you want to start thank you for coming okay
1: (laughs) Um, well, I'm thrilled to be here talking about this because it's so important and um, I'm really excited to read your book whenever it comes out. Oh, thanks. And because I think we just need more and more literature and voices talking about, um, it's like more than self-care, it's self-love
2: mm, and it's mm-hmm,
1: honoring ourselves mm-hmm. and putting ourselves first. Mm-hmm. Um, my, <clears throat> my experience with writing the book was I was relatively youngish, for you know modern times when I had my first child I was 26 and I had worked as a sex educator um but I was like blown away when he was born and all of a sudden like my desire was gone Mm. I thought something was like inherently broken within me and I am a reader and I was a writer and am a writer but I was then too and I went to look for books I was like okay well I'll just read about this and I'll educate myself Mm -hmm. and I'll like figure out what i need to do to fix myself right mm-hmm. and um so i went and i remember like i went to libraries i went to bookstores and there was nothing, nothing. and the only mm. things i would find were kind of like cosmos style <laughs> articles <laughs> yes. like you know basically like you just make yourself look good for Ugh. your man it's like very <laughs> cisgender heterosexual normative like language all about uh, making yourself desirable for your male partner mm-hmm. and, um, and I was just like are you kidding me mm-hmm. I I have like a six-month-old I have a one-year-old like this is not no. what I this does not feel good um, and I also went to an OBGYN um, I ended up having to change doctors I don't remember why and I ended up with this um, male OBGYN and I told him that I was like you know hey, you know, like, I just don't ever want to have sex,
2: mm. and
1: I always did, and I don't know what this is, and also, it kind of hurts, like, yeah. I had a baby months ago, but it still hurts, mm-hmm. and he literally looked at, me, looked at me, and he's like, well, if you don't use it, you lose it, and that's <laughs> what he told me, and I was just like, I know you have an MD, but th- yes. that has got to not be the answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, so stupid. <laughs> I, um... <laughs> I, you know, I ended up going back to school. I got my master's degree in public health, and then after my second child was born, first of all, there's there's so much grace in having more than one child in mm-hmm. certain ways. Just mm-hmm. you, the intensity of your first child, like you, just basic things like you know they're 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 most likely gonna survive. Yeah. Like
2: mm-hmm.
1: you are, you don't have to listen to them breathe every night <laughs> to make sure. Like those kind of things, yeah. kind of chill out a little bit in your body. And so I I just started talking to women and um, there were all cisgender women. They were mostly heterosexual. There were um, also some queer women. And um, and at some point I was like, okay, I'm going to just start compiling these interviews. And I started interviewing them and just learned so much. Um, And so that's kind of where the book came from. And I have been, you know, I've done, I've done workshops, I've done coaching. Um, one of the interesting things is like the, the people who actually contact me the most um, when they find my, my book mm-hmm. is are cisgender heterosexual men wow. um, yeah. because they don't understand what's happening,
2: mm-hmm.
1: why their sexual relationship has changed so much and they want to understand.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so, um, you know, so much of is about, of, of, sexual relationships is about learning healthy communication. And Mm -hmm. so that's really, you know, what my, the point of my book is, is just kind of identifying and learning how to have healthy sexual communication
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um, and also honoring our own individual sexual selves.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Such an important message that, I I mean, clearly you're saying you didn't get. And it's just, I, I still kind of feel like it's really not out there that, you know, maybe there's some things breaking through, but, you know, I, yeah. I, am researching my book and, and Googling postpartum sex and you're like the only thing that comes up <laughs> and that's just unacceptable. I'm it sorry. Is. It's unacceptable. And this and idea the story
1: of the doctor also, you know, like, you know, our, our practitioners aren't equipped sure. to help us sure and to help couples. And really this is like the norm. Right. Most couples have sexual difficulties and challenges. Sexual difficulties and challenges are the norm after right. having a baby.
2: Right. Right. So
1: the concept about all of that needs to change from it being something bad to being like, this is just totally normal. Totally and here are some normal. things that might help you in this very challenging time.
0: Yes. Yes. I love that. I really want to underscore that, that most couples, this is the norm. Um, because when you're having it yourself, you feel alone and, you know, um, as you use the word broken, which I feel like comes up so much, um, especially as women talk about, um, their sexual desire or just their sexual functioning postpartum. Um, I just hear that word so much. It's so interesting that that's the one that comes up in.
1: And it's so sad because it's such a personal thing. But I think as as women, we are so socialized to internalize things and believe that um, if we can't fix something, like it's our own fault. Right. And and that inherently, as women, we're never good enough. Right. There's always something that needs to be better or fixed or it needs to look better or it needs to feel better or we need to serve the people who love us better right. and so with sexuality like there's there's nothing that is more vulnerable than that right? right and especially since it you know often can incorporate another person and so I think just normalizing it and giving voice to the fact that you're not alone I mean I know that's what I needed 13 mm-hmm. years ago mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is can just you know feel like a load off your chest and be like okay this is yeah, this is okay. I'm okay.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I especially think, um, you know, all of those, all of those societal pieces that we've sort of internalized. And plus, I think, you know, when we're thinking about actually recovering from giving birth in whatever manner that's happened, right? That already, you know, women are feeling alien to their bodies, but also there's actually recovery happening. So, you know, I know that um, one of the questions I, I sent ahead of time was really, because I was really thinking about how varieties of experiences and the, the sort of like varying things that happen through the postpartum year, which sometimes I think contribute to women feeling, quote unquote, broken, right? Yeah. Um, you know, how their birth has gone, like whether they've had um, – you know, they feel like they're having a long recovery, even from a, a you know uh, I'm trying to think of the term they use. Basically, a non-traumatic birth is what I'm trying to uh-huh. say. Yeah. Sure. Um, or a cesarean section, or you know, situations where there's been tearing and et cetera. Like, what are what are some of the things that can contribute just in that process to um, a, a, an alteration in our sex drive?
1: Yeah. And, um, also I just, you know, I, something I I hope we can come back to too, is that, um, you know, not, not all moms are, are biological birth moms. Not all moms of newborns are, you know, went through this physical process, but can still go through this huge identity change and sex challenges with their, in their relationship and relationship challenges. so. You know, and then you, when you add the physical onto it, and also the fact that not just cisgender women have babies, trans men have babies, mm-hmm. and so you know, we there's so much that when you're talking about just the physical aspects, um, I think it's it's this you know whirlwind time where for nine months, if you have good prenatal care, you are. Um, you're cared for and you are looked after and there's excitement, maybe fear also, but you've, you know, I've heard, and I know that I felt uh, cared for.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then after you've gone through this like life altering experience, which could involve any of the things you mentioned, tearing, uh, mm-hmm. you know, major surgery, um, just trauma from mm-hmm. pain and from the situation that you gave birth, or, sure. I mean, there are, all kinds of stories of like amazing painless births that I also hear of. The the experiences are so broad and so wide.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But, you know, dealing with that afterwards, then it's like all of the focus, all of the doctor's appointments, really, it's all about your baby. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: so I think it's so easy for that new parent to just feel kind of like left dangling out to see Mm -hmm. and you are – now, you know, hormonally and mentally so focused on this child that you adore, but you also are like, oh my God, the responsibility and that way this changes me as a person and who I am for the rest of my life and my relationship with my partner. And so, you know, even just the basics, like, you know, taking care of your body, Mm -hmm. just kind of, Goes by the wayside, other than what, like one postnatal check at six weeks. I mean, I, I do think that that's changing, and I yeah, know that that's yeah. when, like with midwifery and doulas and things like that, and like postpartum doulas, which I think is the most amazing idea ever. Yeah. Um. There's kind of like this this uh, consciousness now that that people who give birth need need care and love, and because now they're also doing all of this, these things, they don't, you know, now you're, you're sleep deprived. I mean, you're,
2: right.
1: you're doing what, you know, militaries do in torture chambers. Yes. You, you don't get to sleep. You have yeah. to listen to screaming, like, oh. <laughs> by someone you love, you know, yeah. and you yeah. are trying to care for them. And it's also most marvelous and wonderful, overwhelming experience of your life. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, when, when we don't even, I just, I, I know that I, like, I had no idea. I had no idea my mm-hmm. vagina and my vulva would feel the way it did mm-hmm. after I gave birth. Yeah. Nobody told me. Yeah. And I yeah. was like, oh my God, this is, this is quite something, you know? And like, in my book, I talk about like, is there anything more terrifying than the first poop after you give birth? Yes, like, I love that No. <laughs>
2: nope. <laughs> <laughs> Not really oh my
0: goodness and nobody's you know like there's no midwife in the room for that <laughs> for the most part right yeah. there's no one talking either like take a laxative but they don't
1: even explain what's right like why yeah
0: or, when, oh, where, oh how, when where how when do i have to go <laughs> yeah oh shit i'm gonna have to shit.
1: like sorry i don't know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine language on your podcast no it's totally
0: fine <laughs> yeah it's yeah. There's there's just the drop-offs of, of support, and also what we're willing to ask to and put into words, right? And and yeah. people's willingness to hear it, right? Like who, who, who in our lives is ready to hear? You know, God, I. Where did my desire go? Right, like yeah. everybody wants to talk about the baby, but like let's talk about how I'm feeling and what I'm not feeling, you know, or 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 differences and etc. Um, yeah we just don't have language around it unfortunately
1: well and it's basically you know you're under like your body is is undergoing a stress response for Mm -hmm. like a good Mm -hmm. many months if not a year or longer (laughs) right right. and I mean all the research shows that the minute you have stress the first thing to disappear is sexual desire so it's not even like sometimes so so often it's not even a consciousness of like oh now my desire is gone you're like are you kidding I'm not even thinking about desire I have like... Frozen cabbage leaves on my breast, and like <laughs> my baby is has colic, and like won't my baby's constipated, and I don't know what to right, do. And then my right. partner is like, "We never cuddle anymore." You're like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> like,
0: you're twelfth in line, friend. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> and it's hard for the partners to yeah, yeah, understand yeah. And, yeah. Not yeah. and not feel rejected and not feel. Because it is, a, it is a monumental, it's the most monumental change in relationship dynamics. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, what's interesting now, my children are 9 and 13, and so I'm like not in the baby years anymore. But mm-hmm. what's interesting from this side of parenthood is seeing how the power dynamics that we set up when our children are born and our babies and the way that we deal with these issues Mm-hmm. If you don't do it well, like it comes back,
2: mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. It,
1: it never goes mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. And those relationship issues just compound. And that's why, you know, it's like sometimes couples hold together while their babies are very young because mm-hmm. it's just sheer survival. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then when you, when they get a little bigger and you have a moment to breathe and it's like, oh, this doesn't work for me, right, you know?
2: Right, but if,
1: right. It, it, if, if we, you know, as, if, as a couple, if you have resources and you're able to learn, and you're able to say really hard truths to each other and learn different ways of communicating and really dealing with the inherent power struggles that are part of any parenting relationship. I mean, mm-hmm. so often, you know, you have the same arguments, right? It's mm-hmm. about different items, but it's the same argument over and over again, and it's a it's really about power.
2: Mm-hmm. And so if you're able
1: to identify those and work on dealing with those rather than hiding them or putting them to the side mm-hmm. then you know you're much more set up for a healthy long-term relationship
0: mm. I feel like we're already talking about communication and sort of you know that this is I feel like that's and, and I hear you saying it too that the, that's the real backbone of the book and that um you know what was sort of coming up for me as I was reading is so how we're so conditioned to please and, and not really tune yes. in with ourselves. Um, and yet the relationship is is so changed and our priorities are changed, right? Like maybe we're not as conditioned yeah. to please anymore. And yeah. so, I mean, it may be that the, your answer is talking about the power dynamic, but I guess I'm just sort of wondering like what you feel like are the most important elements of communication and connection in sexual communication.
1: I think um, it's really, I mean, the hardest thing about for any kind of self-transformation is that it's really about the self.
2: Mm. I think
1: it's really easy for us to think, like, if our partner loves us enough, they'll do these things. Mm. If mm-hmm. uh, if they care enough, they'll do these things. Mm-hmm. they They will know what my needs are. They mm. will fulfill me sexually. And um, I, you know, adore the sex therapist, Esther Perel, and I highly mm-hmm, recommend anyone mm-hmm. listen to anything she has to say. Yes. Um, and she talks about, like, how modern couplehood has never existed. Right. It was always transactional. There was, a, there was, um, you know, for women in society, there was the protection of having a man because we were not allowed to have our own, you know, means of supporting ourselves.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And for men, it was, you know, having your next generations that will carry your name Mm -hmm. and but it was never with the expectation that we have now in our partners which is but you're also going to be my best friend and you're going to be my soulmate and you're going to fulfill all of my emotional needs and we're going to have all the same interests (laughs) and that's never going to change (laughs) 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 that somehow something is wrong with me or with you or with us and I think like radical Kind of growing upness, you know. We mm-hmm. all have our wounded child within us, and you know, there's a lot of research that says, like, basically, our you know current relationships are just playing out our childhood traumas over and over again. Mm-hmm. And if we don't look at how we interact with our partner, and taking radical responsibility for ourselves, mm-hmm. um, because we cannot control how someone else behaves. And other people can do things that are really shitty. Mm-hmm. Your partner can do things yeah. that are really shitty. They can say things. They can do things. They can make you feel that they just don't care. And especially when you're a new mom, like, that resentment can build right. so fast.
2: Right.
1: And right. resentment is a killer of love and desire. And so
2: mm.
1: our, our responsibility in that is identifying what we
2: need. Mm. And it
1: doesn't mean what we need someone else to give us. It's how are we going to give that to ourselves?
2: Mm.
1: For me, I wish to God that I had had childcare. I Mm. I lived far away from my family and my kids were little. I needed help
2: Mm -hmm. and I
1: couldn't identify it. I felt so guilty at leaving my children Mm. and I couldn't, you know, it was money and it was this and it was Mm -hmm. that, but it would, you know, it was important
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: and I didn't need a reason. I needed a break.
2: Yeah. (laughs)
1: I was like, well, I don't have a job or I don't have this or I'm only writing. You know, like that's just uh. a hobby and I'm not going to pay <laughs> someone to do that. And, you know, this is where, you know, cisgender women can learn a lot from cisgender men. Like <laughs> they yeah. have no guilt in yeah. providing for their own needs. Yeah. Yeah. And we do. Yeah. We always do. We put ourselves last. And yeah. So when it comes to sexual communication, like if you can't identify your own needs and take identify your own emotions, right? Yeah. And take responsibility for your own emotions. Then how are you going to communicate that to someone else? And the same goes for, that's kind of the emotional realm, but the sexual realm is the idea of someone else, um, starting desire in us, right. Or someone Mm. else, uh, pleasing us and giving us all of this desire. Like we, in, we have one life, we Mm. have one body and it is ours. Mm. And, society works so hard to tell us that it's not or that we're bad if we honor it, but honoring our bodies, learning to love our bodies, learning to touch ourselves, learning to masturbate, learning what you want very specifically and what you like, knowing that you don't need a partner to give you sexual pleasure, Mm -hmm. but that's an added bonus, Mm -hmm. and that they are one lucky person if you invite them in to join you. Those are all ways of having sexual ownership, and then When you have that knowledge, you're able to share that.
0: So (laughs) fabulous! I love that. I love that, and and I think you know, I'm overwhelmed. Um, (laughs) But that you know,
1: amazing to me. I mean, I you know when I was interviewing, I was interviewing for my book. Like, just I mean, and it's and I have it in my book, but like how many how many women have shame over masturbation or? And, and how many men do? I mean, really? Yeah, yeah, not, yeah, it, it does exist, that, yeah, but it's yeah. not, it's so much more socially acceptable. For sure. Um, I mean, even, I have, you know, I have a lot of little boys running around my house all the time mm-hmm. and, and middle school boys. And do you know how much they
2: talk oh about? Oh, my God. <laughs> all the
1: time. And I am always like, oh, yeah, what about the clitorises? <laughs> the clitorises are there, too. Like, it's like, but it's so weird to even, for them to even hear that word, you know?
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, you know, as I, as I hear you talking about sort of like ownership of yourself and your, your sexual self, um, I, I actually flipped back in the book because I just like, I was like, couldn't believe (laughs) this, um, study that you had found in the journal of sex and marital therapy, um, about, um, vibrators and, If it's okay, I'm going to like read it back. Um, yeah. Read. The, the national study also showed that heterosexual women who use vibrators scored significantly higher on positive sexual function scales. Period. Yeah. It also indicated that women whose partners accepted and liked it, liked their vibrator use had higher sexual satisfaction. <laughs> and like, I was like, it's
1: I like, duh. Yeah. <laughs> of course.
0: And just this. It, yeah <laughs> I'm like I'm <laughs> still kind of speechless about it. Um but this piece that i that I hear you saying, I feel like that's like that's it, you know, in like a very practical like n- you know, numbers column here, like, you know owning it yourself and feeling in charge of yeah and, and even just like knowing knowing your own body, right that that yeah. that's such a struggle for women and we're just that is not how we're socialized and, and, you know, what I, what I hear a lot is um, not knowing one's own body and then the wish that someone else did. Right. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's its own epidemic. I feel like,
1: well, every, every romance movie, you look at any, you know, movie that we all grew up loving and it is like, Find if you are a cisgender woman, heterosexual woman. Find a heterosexual man who will know every how to complete you in every way. <laughs> oh, and, oh. and he will know all of the things that you don't even know about yourself, yes. including what makes you come or what yes. makes you hot or what makes right. you know, all of that.
0: Right? Yes.
1: It's an impossible, unrealistic standard for
0: everyone. It's like the worst. But
1: <laughs> why does it exist? It exists because of power, and it exists mm. because. The world, it, the world, the patriarchal world that we live in does not want women to have sexual ownership over themselves. No. It's threatening. It is very dangerous. Because then we might not yeah. need yeah. a partner <laughs> always. We How scary is that? Forget about you.
2: <laughs> no. We might
1: actually just be self-sustaining on our on our own right. and able to provide for our own needs, including right. our sexual needs, you know? Like, it's,
0: right.
1: it's very threatening.
0: Very threatening. Right.
1: And that's what I has been so, you know, in the past few years for me... I really love looking at anything that brings up shame in myself. First of all, you know the idea that you know feeling the first you know we feel shame and then we feel shame about feeling shame.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: instead, like I loved this thing, and it was actually about um, something I read, and it was about like we we are socialized. We are all socialized. We are all sexist. Mm-hmm. We are all racist. Mm-hmm. We are all homophobic. We mm-hmm. have been socialized in these ways, and mm-hmm. we have to actively mm-hmm. seek to not be mm-hmm. and with. In, relate, in in terms of, of sexual empowerment, it's a mm-hmm. form of sexism, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's For sure. a form of shame and, and control, control mm-hmm. of women's mm-hmm. bodies and sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so when you have a thought that is, you know, the first thought that comes in your mind, being able to take a moment and say, is that actually what I think? Or is that what I've been socialized
2: to right. think about myself
1: right. or about that person? Right. And then having the awareness to be like, oh, I actually have the power to recognize that as a whatever type of thought and now let me take a moment to think what it is that I really feel
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: that can take away some of the shame about our shame you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. as you know there is so much sexual abuse and sexual harassment Mm -hmm. in our world and so most of us carry trauma Mm -hmm, mm
2: -hmm. and so
1: it's not just like hey girl just own yourself and it's going to be good (laughs) it's it's hard. It's looking at how have we been, how have we been damaged? How mm-hmm. have we been hurt? Mm-hmm. And that takes time and it takes attention. It takes uh, someone being able to say like, I deserve to look at these things and I deserve to heal myself mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from how this has affected me and how this continues to affect me. And I want power. I want my own power back. And I'm not going to let these narratives continue to hold so much power on me. And so that's why I think like the self, you know, like loving our bodies and, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's not loving our bodies and never thinking anything bad. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. lose that. Stand- we are always going to lose if that's where the bar is set. Oh, my God, it's, yeah. oh, I'm thinking something negative about myself. Let me just be aware of that. Let me think, where is that coming
2: from? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then
1: mm-hmm. what's something else I can think about myself also that maybe isn't that.
0: Right. 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 I mean, I talk so much with my client. I mean, this is being an eating disorder specialist, um, so much of the conversation, um, with my clients, of course, and, and I'm just thinking about it all the time, right? Like, you know, the thing, the vocation that you choose, it follows you everywhere. Right. And so, yeah. um, yeah. I'm constantly thinking about weight stigma and, you know, why we're socialized to think these ways, especially as women, right. About our bodies yeah. that, and, and that, um, sexuality and being sexual has a certain size right and a certain appearance yeah. and and if we really sort of drill down and think about like how intensely internal in, and <laughs> the uh, sexual experience is in the idea yeah. that it's been so uh marketed and packaged as an external yeah. like that we're supposed to be a certain shape a certain size etc um yeah it's 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 mind-bending. It's so mind-bending. Not only that,
1: but also yes, 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 and 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 that our intrinsic value is in being desirable to heterosexual men. Right.
2: Right. And yeah. that is
1: our worth. Our worth. But then we're not supposed to want it too much, right? Right. Then you're slutty. Right.
2: Right. And so, like, right. it's
1: so policed, and it's so um, it, it's it's if we try to apply that standard, we'll never win.
2: No. Right.
1: And the idea that yeah, that, that the smaller you are, the more worthy you are of love.
2: Right. Right. And yeah. that is
1: uh, something it doesn't serve us and it really has to be about um what does I mean, I, I think something that's revolutionary is what does what does desire feel when, when you don't even consider another person? What if it's just about you and about what you like and what you want and what you need and you desiring yourself, and again going back to Esther Perel, like she talks about how um, women are not even if they don't feel like they would touch themselves, they're not going to want to touch someone else or let someone else touch them. Mm
0: hmm. Mm hmm. Wow, I'm right I'm like literally writing this down, even though I'm recording. This. It's like <laughs> so important. So I, you know, I, I wonder if you're sort of answering my question that I had about, like, what are your thoughts on, you know, in the postpartum body, even, even with these politics, like even, even the sort of most woke mom to all these body politics, right? That yeah. still, we often feel, um, a stranger to our bodies because, yeah. and, and also with this little stranger, you know, if, if we're nursing, like occasionally attaching to it or more than occasionally, attaching, um, to it. What, how do you feel? Um, and you know, how do you help moms get in touch with that, that inner confidence when their bodies do feel alien to them?
1: Um, I think, yeah, it's such a good question. And I mean, it's, it's one of those things that that's where I love, like, you know, the work of coaching because it's not, I don't have the answer. Mm -hmm. It's literally giving permission for, you know, someone who is struggling in that area to, to look at it and say, what makes me feel good?
2: Mm-hmm. And maybe
1: I don't even know, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. but I've
1: always been interested in this thing. I'm going to try
2: it mm-hmm.
1: maybe. And not having to have a purpose, you don't have to be the best at it or mm-hmm. the like, you like belly dancing, but now you're supposed to be a performer or mm-hmm. you like, you know, yoga, but now you're supposed to like have your own yoga channel on YouTube <laughs> and you know, yeah. like not just for yourself. like. Yeah. I think society right now is everything is something that should be consumed by others. Everything mm. that we do, but no, like there's such strength in, and, and giving ourselves time and space to just explore for ourselves. No one else needs to know, or they can know because it's also really nice to hear,
2: mm. especially
1: as women, of other women exploring different things, without always knowing why they're doing it. Right, mm. just because it feels good.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I mean, in, in when it comes to science like there's a, a writer who I love and I highly recommend her books her name is Emily Nagoski
0: oh I love and Emily Nagoski <laughs> <gasps> she's
2: she's well,
0: woohoo.
1: yes yeah. I know I had I saw her speak a few years ago and it was so amazing but um she has a book called "Come as you are oh, um, best. And about desire yes and it's basically science that will help you understand your you know, your sexual desire. And then her new one is called burnout. Mm-hmm. And it's about the stress cycle. But a lot of the stress things are in the come as you are the sex yeah. book also. Yeah. yeah, And it's about how emotions are part of our stress cycle. Mm-hmm. And we have to let them t- go through the full cycle.
2: Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm.
1: we try to cut off an emotion, even in shame as an emotion, although it's nice to look at what is the shame about, right? right. Like, what is that? Is it actually sadness? Is it anger? Is it Fear, like sometimes looking at our emotions and going deeper to the next level, Mm -hmm. where that emotion stems from, Mm -hmm. but but not cutting it off, allowing that emotion to take its full roller coaster ride. Because what she says is, you can't move on from the stress response Mm -hmm. until you allow your body, because your body doesn't know the stressor might be gone. But if you haven't given space to that emotion. Your body still thinks that you're there,
2: right? And right.
1: that's why you can feel stressed out about things that have already happened, right? You know, right? And so, identifying those emotions and letting that stress cycle and the the thing that helps the most, she says, is is moving your body, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean it has to be Tabata to CrossFit, like you know, <laughs> yeah. seventy five minutes of high intensity interval training. Like, yeah. no, yeah. take a walk, yeah, yeah, around the block. Yeah, and don't just do it because you have to walk the dog. That's a hard one for me. I really <laughs> love walks. But like, yeah. I need to be productive. I will only walk when I need to walk the dog. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Take yeah. yourself on a walk. Yes. Look at the trees. Say, I am here. I am me. Like, I am in this moment. I'm not stuck in the past. I'm not stuck in the future. Trying to just be in the moment and see ourselves for who we are in this moment and moving our bodies not because we need to look a certain way but because it just has a hormonal and chemical cascade in your body that will make you feel good
2: Mm -hmm. and it helps Mm -hmm.
1: but it doesn't you know it's you have to find what that is and um and give your allow yourself give yourself permission to explore with what are those things that make you feel confident
2: yeah
1: and it doesn't mean confident with a big c right Right, like i'm confident because i you know go and perform Uh, smash poetry, slam poetry, (laughs) slam poetry. You know, on stage. Like maybe it's reading a, you know, reading a book, or maybe it's and just getting out of your own mind. Whatever it
0: is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, we talk a lot about uh, sexual breaks and accelerators around (laughs) this. (laughs) Yes,
1: I love that.
0: My offs are on. How powerful Um,
1: is it to even just to express that? Right,
0: right, right. Exactly. Her, her, um, the, the particular writing that she, she really helps with just, I I think she really helps couples with the language that's so non-pathologizing, you know, like the, the central, um, thesis of that book is that like, it's okay. You're normal. It's okay. You're normal, (laughs) which is what I loved about your book. I felt like there was so much in that, um, And I had read um, Come As You Are like super late to the party. I read it last year and then like anybody (laughs) who stood near me for like the next six months had to get a dissertation on it. It is one of those books. Yes, Yes, it is though. Oh
1: my God, you you must read this book. (laughs) Yes,
0: it's life changing. But I definitely feel like you do that with the postpartum mom as well. And I feel like there's no language around postpartum sex at all. Yeah. And so, you know, particularly, you know, particularly close to my heart as a, as a mom who nursed for not the whole year, but the better part of a year, <laughs> the <this> chapter, <laughs> my breasts are having an identity crisis. Like I was cracking up and I just, <laughs> I felt like nobody's put those words on quite so well. Um, <laughs> we, I, uh, I talk in my book about um, that, you know if anything started to happen sexually, that I would like, there was just like very clear boundaries. And like (laughs) my partner knew that like, if I was like, you need to know that if you come anywhere near this, I have this irrepressible, like I do repress it, but like I have this instant where I wanna break your nose. (laughs) Like, Like Jason Statham style. And it's. I'm not mad at you. It's. I know it like can't be helped. But I. I you should know. I want to break your nose. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's powerful. It's I so mean, powerful. Yeah, it really is. I nursed both. I mean, I had. My youngest, I had to wean him at, like, after two years. <laughs>
2: like,
1: yeah. I'm like, I'm a total Oregon mom. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, even so, like, with, you know, more than three years of nursing under my belt, like, I would have moments of uh, my child would latch on, either one of them, and just, it was almost like a physiological d- response. Like, I wanted to, and I would never do it. Yeah. it was, like, something in me that wanted to throw the baby across the Yes! Body. Like, oh, my God. Yes! You no. Know, no, not again. Oh God. Yeah. And then not to say that there's so many moments. I mean, you know, nursing can be so powerful and it's such a connection and it's so great for comforting. And, you know, it was a tool I used very well. Like, you know, can you say airplane travel? Like that's part of the reason I didn't wean because it was just something I had. Yeah. Um, and it's such a connection, but there is that part of it also. And then you add on your, a partner who's like, oh, your boobies are big. Right. <laughs> and I like this. And want, I want a nibble of that. And you're like, no. No. <laughs> but that was my experience. I mean, when I, You know, when I interviewed um, women for my book, like, it was so fun to hear, like, so many. That's what I love, too, is when you think you know something, you're like, oh, no, everyone yeah. I bet all of them feel this way. You're yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, girl, no, I loved it. We would have like sex play with breast milk.
2: Yeah. And and
1: that and you're like okay. All right. right. There's a rainbow.
2: <laughs> like, There's a rainbow.
1: I love it is. Mm-hmm. And it's but it's just knowing once again, respecting our own boundaries, especially mm-hmm. about our own bodies, is it's a human right.
2: Mm-hmm. And no
1: one will do it for us except ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's the most important thing we can teach our children, to be Mm -hmm, honest. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if we can't do it for ourselves, how do we teach our kids? And so, yeah, maybe, you know, our partners have expressed needs. It's not our job to fulfill those needs at our own expense.
2: Mm -hmm. And,
1: I mean, to me, something that I hear over and over again is the idea of sex as duty and sex as um, something that is like, you know, and, and, and let's look at where that comes from again. I mean, mm-hmm. that comes from, you know, it was a duty. I mean, mm-hmm, it mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. part of that contract mm-hmm. of like, you provide children, you are faithful mm-hmm. and you don't deny sex. Right. Now the men could go get sex wherever they want. Right. They, their part of the contract was to provide home
2: right. and food. Right. right, And so
1: again, like, that doesn't it doesn't serve us it right. doesn't allow us ownership over ourselves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's really hard in relationships where you know um i think in when we get married or we make a long-term commitment but especially when we get married we we are binding ourselves to all of these concepts that are so beyond us they're mm-hmm. thousands of years old mm-hmm. and, and there's no way that you can actually like disentangle those unless you really look at them and you're like, wait, do I, is this really what I want and what I need? And, you know, when it comes to gender dynamics between um, and heterosexual couples, between cisgender women and cisgender men, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's so, and we don't even talk about so many of these ideas Mm -hmm. until they're in front of us. And then we can kind of just fall into the default. And so if you've had a certain example or you've seen a certain example, it's really easy to feel like my job is to keep my partner sexually satisfied. And that's not just for heterosexual couples, that's for everybody. Right. right like right. that pressure. Yeah. But it's not our job actually. Mm. And we, I mean, it's, you know, you are coming together and saying that you're going to have a partnership and a sexual partnership may or may not be part of it, but it doesn't have to be at your own expense. Mm. And um, I, you know, there's a book by Debbie Urbanik that I also quote in my book, book um, that says you don't you don't want to create like a dread response to your mm-hmm. partner's sexual overtures mm-hmm. but that requires work and it mm-hmm. requires mm-hmm. communication and it requires like finding what you do want to say yes to mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be what they're proposing right? right
2: right and then they
1: have to learn to respect that right right and that goes vice versa right. because right. Right. I talked to all kinds of women who want way more sex than mm-hmm. their partners mm-hmm. yeah all kinds of women. Right. So it goes both ways. Absolutely. And that's the crazy thing. Like, postpartum is this one like I don't know, it's like psychedelic year, yeah. right? In your life. <laughs> yes. Like nothing is gonna be the way it is in yeah. that one very intense moment of life. Yeah. But the rest of your life is gonna continue to have these ebbs and flows and these I mean, things are constantly changing and that is part of long term partnership is right like learning to, learning to float and learning to surf on, on those those waves that come. And, and you do it by building a good base of yeah. communication, but based on setting boundaries and feeling respected.
0: Mm. Yeah, beautifully said, beautifully said. I feel like there is um, a piece here that you're leading us into in terms of sort of what um, you also quoted in terms of I feel like we're talking about like excessive female sacrifice whereas you know Valerie Raskin was talking about excessive maternal sacrifice I know it's sort of like Uh a little bit of a different piece but I I wonder if there is sort of a connection here where um, again that piece is sort of set up for um, deferring to the other loved ones in our lives you know like what what we want doesn't matter as much as what you know, my partner, how much sex my partner wants or how much my baby needs me, you know, like, etc. And, yeah. yeah, I was sort of thinking how those kind of seem to come together. And and if you want to explain excessive maternal sacrifice a little bit more and um, how you see sure. it. And-
1: I think, you know, it's, it's relatively new. Like, I was a kid in the 80s and, and you know, there was some of that. But I think it's really, like, kind of the, the concept of the – somewhat the helicopter parent right like mm-hmm. just as in romantic relationships is very modern idea of our partner is supposed to be all these things for us
2: mm-hmm.
1: it also then takes on the tone of as mothers or any parent who is doing the most of the child the care primary caretaking so that's taking, the thing yeah. is yeah. like I think mm-hmm. that men who are doing that can feel so alienated in conversations like this because it's so like you know mom-centric mom, 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 yeah is, and I really want to honor that but mm-hmm. um but it's also you know societally, mostly women who are, you know, in the, who are being the, the primary ch- child care providers. But the idea that it is, that it's, it's our job as parents to provide for all of our children's mm. emotional, psychological, uh, educational, um, intramural physical
2: needs and not only
1: that but we must anticipate them for them right so it creates kids who don't ever learn how to identify what they want
2: Mm. they
1: must never feel anxiety or Mm. go through a hard time Mm -hmm. our children Mm -hmm. which then creates adults who have no ability to deal with difficulty which is not good Mm -mm. like if there's one if there's something that we want our kids to know is that there will be hardship. The mm-hmm. Hardship is part of life and mm-hmm. that you need tools to deal with it.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so, but so the excessive maternal sacrifice is providing all of these things and doing it, you know, at our own expense, like mm-hmm. doing, you know, you don't look at what it is that you need. You don't give yourself time. Mm-hmm. You don't, maybe you have that, um, I don't know, class that you want to take, but you think you can't because. Well, your kids need a sit-down dinner every night, right? Mm-hmm. Or your or your partner does, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. not actually saying like, you know what? And, and and it can be hard when it's so hard. Like there is no one better than my children to make me feel guilty about doing something for my <laughs> <laughs> Like sure. Before I did this podcast, my youngest is like, but mommy. I just want to spend time with
2: you. We just talk <laughs>
1: like they just know. Like I love spending time with you, and it's going to be in forty-five minutes. Yes. And in the meantime, you need to not—you can't be in here with me right now, <laughs> unless there's an emergency. Right,
0: right. <laughs> emergency examples are.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Like,
1: but I mean, there's you know, and it's being able—it's so hard to mm-hmm. say. I hear you. I love you so much mm-hmm. too, and I also. I need to do this. My grandpa always used to say like, um, this is like very gendered and everything. He's like, mm-hmm. have a happy life. Wife, have a happy yeah, life. Yeah, like,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Like yeah. you've got to, you have to look to, you know, the things that, that feed you and that fill you and that are not just your children or your partner.
2: Mm-hmm. Cause yes,
1: our children can, you know, fulfill us, but to be whole per- people and, rounded people we need to um not let the other parts of us become emaciated Mm -hmm.
0: or atrophied Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's beautifully said i think um i think that's a great lead-in to talking about um what you talk about in the book of sort of cultivating your arousal toolbox. so you know sort of Mm -hmm. i feel like the 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 counterpoint to excessive maternal sacrifice and <laughs> yeah. is getting in touch with, you know, what what it is for you, you know, holistically, you know, and not just like yeah. um with sex but just holistically what turns you on. And so, um, can you talk a little bit more about how you I love, I love the term arousal toolbox and yeah. um, what you mean and and how do you how do you think women can start Exploring that and 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 putting things in.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's you know so much of this is heavy, but it's also so much fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. know, sex is so glorious and life giving and pleasure filled, and um, there's so. I mean, that's why we do it, and that's why we beat ourselves up about it when we're not doing it. Right. You know, and
2: <laughs> right.
1: um, and it's um, so you know, part of the idea of self ownership, and I've talked about it a little bit, is like yeah, I mean, just become, like, an expert in, in yourself and in your your vitality, your, as Esther Perel talk, talks about it, your eroticism, which is not just, like, what, you know, gets your libido lit up, but what gets you lit up from within about life. And then applying that to what gets your libido lit up and excited. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, you know, I grew up in a, um, in a very – christian household and mm. it was like not not um stereotypically christian and that like my mother was the pastor um mm. and like i have a lot of feminists in my family and it's not just like this, you know i have a wonderful so many wonderful like my grandmas and my aunt and my mom and are very very like wonderful strong female role models but i did grow up with this idea that like sex and sexuality is just for your partner mm, you know
2: mm-hmm,
1: and mm-hmm. so then you don't ever it's only what you share so then there's that you know just we talked about the vibrators like people who feel like well maybe I can't have one right. or maybe I can only have one when I'm doing things with my partner right. no what it is it or I need to share everything with my partner and mm-hmm. so your arousal toolbox what turns do you want is yours
2: mm. and it
1: changes but you know we we just We just second guess ourselves instead of just allowing ourselves like the freedom of being like, yeah, I like this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, it turns me on when I watch this show Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. specific person turns me on to watch and Mm -hmm. that's okay. Mm -hmm. And my partner may or may not even need to know about it. If they're going to feel insecure about it, they don't need to know. If that's like something exciting that I want to incorporate in like role playing, Mm -hmm. then cool. But that's for me. That's my fire that is inside of me. Mm -hmm. And what else do I like? I love a hot summer day and putting on you know, a dress or putting lotion on my body or taking time in the shower to touch myself or look at myself in the mirror
2: mm-hmm. or
1: like it's it's caressing ourselves, it's loving ourselves, it's um, having time to masturbate and to know our bodies.
2: Mm-hmm. It
1: is um, looking also at our partner and looking at the things that we find delicious about them and that we want to eat them up and mm-hmm. what that is and why that is and then saying it strongly and, you know, um you know, uh, straightforwardly, like, Ooh, I, I like this. Mm -hmm. I would love it if you want to do this. Mm -hmm. I want you to do this to me. Mm -hmm. So that's our arousal toolbox and it changes and it Mm -hmm. can change a lot after you have a baby.
0: Mm -hmm. And during that year too. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be with the purpose of having intercourse, you know, Mm -hmm. a penis and a vagina, like Mm -hmm. arousal and desire and sex are so much more than that. Mm -hmm. And when we focus on that, we are, everyone's getting sold short. And it's also super heteronormative. Um, We need to look at it as what is, there's so many ways to share, um, to share arousal and to share sexuality. And I think a lot of new parents would actually have a lot more sexual connection if they would allow their definition of sex to be different
2: Mm. and expand it. Mm -hmm. they would
1: realize that there are all kinds of more moments of, um, sexual connection when you take away the pressure for intercourse.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Again. And
1: then the second part also is then once you know your arousal toolbox, you know, do you finding the ways to share the pieces that you want to share with, you know, if you have a long-term monogamous partner with that person Mm -hmm. so that they can know and Mm -hmm. they can learn, they need to be taught Mm -hmm. just like we need to be taught about them.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. It's a privilege. Yeah. And an honor. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. I really, um, like this idea, you know, I really am so grateful for you saying this piece about self exploration and, you know, just, also, wanting to sort of like anchor that as well with the other pieces that um, I'm so grateful for, and I think so so many postpartum moms are going to be so grateful for, or are so grateful for, in your book, talking about like, and it's okay if it's not great at first. <laughs> it's yeah. okay that it like yeah. might really suck, and um, that and and I really love uh, I and I can't pinpoint the page, but there's there's um, a place where you say you invite moms to resist the temptation to quote, get it over with. Yeah. And I so appreciate that. And so I really like sort of that balance of like exploring yourself and finding yourself and also allowing it to be messy and, and it's okay that it like, <laughs> yes. isn't the flower blossoming every time. right? Yeah. It's,
1: yes. Yes. And that you can have a sense of humor with your partner about it. Like, oh wow well you know we've we've done better than that (laughs) (laughs) that was interesting and just knowing that it it too will pass like you're just Mm. in this really hard time and and it it will get better (laughs) yes
0: it gets better yes this is a temporary year uh when there's like anything (laughs) that kind of like doesn't go great in my house we quote um bad santa which is like this you know like super blue movie but we quote <laughs> yeah. the. and was like well they can't all be winners kid <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious i love it <laughs> so feel free to steal um, i love it
1: yes yes <laughs> i can see like a couple saying that that right. yeah it you know, <laughs> can't all be winners. mediocre sex like right. oh it can't all
0: be winners but, uh. <laughs> yeah, you need you need that the, the you need the top, you need the middle, <laughs> you need the you the not so highlight reel. You need the uh, the blooper reel too. <laughs> not just yeah, and there, you know,
1: there are there are times when sex is just about you know, sexual contact is just about connection and it's about, you know, sharing your love and sharing your connection and sharing gentleness and sharing physical affection and you know, your your body has, you know, a hormonal response to that as well. Mm-hmm. And so um, you know, honoring those needs and seeing those as needs rather than, well, we really just need to get, get back on the horse, or right. They say, you know, like <laughs> that's just, you know, it's not really good for anybody. And, you know, I, I would say to anyone, one who has a partner who is happy, uh, you know, making love to a dummy, like that's not, that's not someone who's honoring your body. Right.
0: Right. Uh, no way. All right. This is so wonderful. Um, (laughs) so a couple last questions for you. So, um, one of my sort of favorite new questions of this podcast is, um, if you could meet yourself somewhere in your postpartum year or one of your postpartum years and offer that version of yourself, some sort of comfort or advice or whatever she might need, what would you want to say or do for her?
1: That is such a beautiful question don't you wish we could all do that yes I love that yeah it
0: kind of makes me cry when people answer and just thinking about it like
1: it's like it's so gentle and it's so healing and I um I think it's also like the idea of like healing the the hard parts of Mm -hmm. you know I my I think you know my post my first postpartum year was incredibly difficult for me and so when I think about that I have a lot of tenderness for myself Mm -hmm. and um feel like a very different person now and so I thank you for the opportunity to kind of think about Mm, about that. Um special. Mm -hmm. I I think it would really be grounded in well I'd have her listen to this podcast. (laughs) 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 I'd be like, hey, you should listen to this. But um (laughs) I and I'd give her a lot of books that I have found in the
2: meantime. Mm -hmm. But um
1: it would really I would really I mean for me it's the moments that I can think of and it's the moments that I needed help and I didn't know Mm -hmm. what that meant
2: Mm -hmm. or how
1: to identify that.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And so, um, and sometimes you have to look, sometimes the people who really love us are too close Mm -hmm. to be able to give us that help. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. so you turn to your husband or your partner or your wife or you turn to your mother, Mm -hmm. but sometimes they're so close that it's, they're not actually able to give you what you need. Agreed. Um, and so you have to find that. And so, I mean, I, if I, you know, one thing I would have, I would have given myself was time, Mm. um, found a a structure where I had someone to help me with my babies and, um, and do it in a way that felt, you know, you know, it takes practice sometimes, like it's hard for a new parent to leave their child and there's, you can almost wean yourself too, right? Like,
2: Mm. I think.
1: I remember this feeling of, I know I need to get away Mm -hmm. and I don't know what to do and I don't know how to make myself do it.
2: Mm, Yeah,
1: And so almost someone to come and be like, I'm going to be here Mm -hmm. and it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And yeah, your baby might cry, Mm -hmm. but it's going to be okay. Mm Because I would also have like, People stay with my baby, and then they would call me because I had a colicky baby, and they'd be like, "Oh, he hasn't stopped crying in <laughs> four hours." You're like, "Oh my god, I am such a horrible person," yeah. you know. Oh. And so, someone who can handle that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and and partners who don't do the, you know, majority of childcare need to learn how to handle that. It's their child too, right? <laughs> so, right. Um, but we, the one who is doing most of the childcare, has to step back and let them.
2: Right. And so that right. would be,
1: I wish right. I could have, um, I would tell myself like, you know, let him learn. Yep. He has to, he, they need their own relationship with their dad Yeah, and it's not easy, just like it's not easy for you. Right. right? And right. it's also wonderful. Right. And it's, it's the most powerful thing. Yeah. And you know, but the, their relationship and their bond is just as important as your bond and he has to find his way,
2: mm-hmm. but you need to let him. Yes.
1: <laughs> and, um, so yeah, I think just the, the gift of, you know, now if I could, I don't know if I could have made myself do that, but like right. <laughs> being like, give yourself time, Right. let someone else help, let someone else. And, and also your partner doesn't help with your children. They are their children also. Right. Like it's, that's their children. That's Woo-hoo. not helping you. That is literally right taking care of their own children. Right.
0: <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Thank you. <laughs> Dads don't babysit. Other partners don't babysit, you know, the... yeah no no Uh uh-uh where can our listeners find you what what's closest to your heart right now what are you working on what tell us tell us where to find you
1: okay um well i have a website and it is uh, com, and you can find my book there and you can find it on amazon and i think other e-readers um Mm -hmm. and it's available for print off of amazon um, I, you know, when we talk about like kind of this self-discovery and you know going down wandering paths, I've been, you know, I still do, um, I still do this work, but it's been kind of on a, on a, it's been kind of on a side project mm-hmm. compared to what I've been doing. I was writing a second book,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I um, ended up becoming a volunteer firefighter so that I could out of my house to write and I yeah. was like I had no experience in this I had I mean nothing oh no God. medical knowledge but I was like well that would be really cool I could like be a part of something and be yeah. around other people but also work on my book yeah. Well, the last then two years have been me getting um, becoming an EMT <laughs> doing different types of firefighting including wildland firefighting and now I'm finishing my paramedics so I've been in, in very intense school um, and then I started a, a company that does international um, emergency response training. Um, so if you're interested in that, wow. um, our website is emergencyeducationinternational.com. And it has nothing to do with
2: yeah.
1: um, our conversation today other than follow what's inside of you, even when it is, doesn't make sense to anybody else. Yeah. And you know, do what makes you feel alive. And that is the most important thing.
0: So that's it, moms. That's the last bite for today. But in case you're hungry for more, head on over to the Mama Bites website. That's M-O-M-M-A, Mama Bites website, and stream more of our podcasts. Or find them anywhere that you find your podcasts. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play. And don't forget to stop by Instagram. And definitely come on by our Facebook group, the Mama Bites Lunch Table. We'd love to have you there. And until we meet again next time, remember, motherhood is a long journey. Don't forget to pack some snacks.